Good afternoon to all of us. As always, it is a great privilege to stand before you this afternoon, and um, we uh, are on the last installment of our Nkosi uh, Sigelela series, um, and, uh, and we have been journeying uh, over the last few weeks in, uh, on the topics of what the Bible says about government. And, and uh, we, we looked at uh, the importance of voting, and I hope mo- many of you took the opportunity um, to vote, uh, and if you didn't, we'll be checking fingers. On our way out, we'll be checking thumbs, um, and we'll lay hands on you, maybe some feet also, if you didn't vote. Uh, we thank God for a peaceful elections day. We thank God for peaceful uh, lead up to elections, that the elections were peaceful, that post elections, um, that we uh, have peace in our nation and we trust Him for godly governance uh, in, in our nation. We also looked at biblical principles um, for government. And so uh, if you haven't been tracking with us, then please make sure to catch some of these podcasts. Uh, Pastor Syed did an amazing job last week just taking us through uh, some of these princip- uh, God, pr- biblical principles excuse me, um, for government. Today I want us to look at uh, the South Africa that we are believing for. So this is an opportune time for us to uh, look into this topic. So we, we, we have had uh, a whole lot of engagement with political parties. Maybe some of you have fielded a lot of phone calls and SMSs. Um, and, uh, and, and we, we, we had a panel uh, of, um, made up of some political parties on, on a particular Saturday, and, and we, met, we were engaging with them, uh, asking some, some key questions that would help us to navigate how and who we should vote for. Uh, we've been thinking through what, is, what does it look like to, be a, to, to give meaningful contribution towards our nation, uh, and so having now made our mark, we look ahead um, to what is to come. So this is a, a good question for us uh, to start to, to start framing at ourselves the South Africa that we are believing God for. So if you uh, follow in your Bible, can I ask you to go to the book of Exodus, book of Exodus chapter 2. Um, and while you're finding your way there, um, can I ask us to, to just juggle a little bit and just put up that, um, uh, that information about the AGM? I uh, just want to note that before, before we, uh, we go too far. But we have um, an AGM coming up, and so we, we um, uh, will be taking some time on the 26th of May in, in the service uh, to present some of the church's financials, and uh, uh, that'll be just before the preaching of the Word. Uh, but the reason we do this is so that we can uh, walk in the light and we can walk in transparency, uh, where especially where it comes to finances. This is, is uh, often a, a time uh, that, that ministers uh, to many people who have had negative uh, experiences with churches, especially as it relates to money. So it's, it's, it's a weird-sounding day to uh, invite a friend to church, but this is actually an opportune moment because this is one of the ways that we want to be exemplary. This is one of the ways that we want to be a city on a hill, not hidden. Um, and so even in the dealings of our finances, we want to present that to you 
the church who are our stakeholders. So please uh, diarize that and don't miss it. Awesome, if we, if we could just transition back to me. Have we found our way to Exodus? Exodus chapter 2. So what I want us to do is uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask us if, um, if we could read the scriptures and then we'll, we'll, we'll work our way back. And uh, I know I'm in good company here. There's a lot of scripture that we're going to be reading. Um, and uh, uh, I, I was tempted, as I always am, not to include these scriptures onto the slides so that you are forced to actually read your Bible and bring your Bible with you to church. Uh, but um, I'm going to be kind this time around, and we're going to have them on the slides. Uh, but uh, please make it a practice to bring your Bible with you uh, to church. So let, let's read. I'm going to read it because there, there's, a, there's a lot of Scripture for us to get through. Basically, we're going to read Exodus chapter 2, the whole chapter. It says, And a man of the house of Levi went and took as wife a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and her maidens walked alongside the, along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew woman? that she may nurse the child for you. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called his name Moses, saying, because I drew him out of the water. Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that way. And when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. And he said, to the one who did the wrong, why are you striking your companion? Then he said, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water, and they filled the troughs to water their father's flock. Then the shepherds came and drove them away. But Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. When they came to Ruel, their father, he said, How is it that you have come so soon today? And they said, An Egyptian 
delivered us from the hand of the shepherds, and he also drew enough water for us and watered the flock. So he said to his daughters, and where is he? Why is it that you have left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. Then Moses went content, then Moses was content to live with the man, and he gave Zipporah, his daughter, to Moses, and she bore him a son. He called his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a stranger in a foreign land. Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage, and they cried out, and their cry came up to God because of the bondage. So God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. Amen. That, that is Exodus chapter 2. It tells the story of the birth of Moses, his rearing, how he survived uh, annihilation and grew up in the palace of Pharaoh, how he fell out of favor with Pharaoh, went and lived in the wilderness of Midian, and um, within the household of Ruel, um, later we, we come to know him as Jethro, took one of his daughters and started a family. Now, I want to take a few steps back and because I read all that scripture, I think it's only fair that you guys do a little bit of talking. So, so and that's how I want us to engage today. Today is not going to be so much me preaching um, as us having a discourse. So, can I ask you to get in groups of twos and threes, just twos and threes if there are people next to you, um, and I want you to engage for a few minutes. You can pick one of the questions, and if you get through it, then you can find another question, but I want you to engage on uh, at least one of these questions with two or three people around you. Five, four, three, two, one, go. We're not going to take too long, so about three or four minutes. So don't waste time, and let's get into it and have, and have some of this discussion. All right. There's a little bit of a lull that tells me that most of you are, have made it through your point. So... What, what I'd like to do um, is just is, is to hear from some of your groups because uh, I think there's, there's wisdom in the room and I think there's benefit in communal wisdom. Uh, so we, we have uh, a mic that, that, is, that is roaming. Maybe we can take a group from this section, one from this section, and one from this section uh, just to tell us which, which question that you guys uh, addressed and just some of... Uh, some of the thoughts that came out of the group. So maybe let's start in this section. Is there a group that would like to? There's a hand over there. So if we could just get that mic. Thanks, bro. Okay. Um, 
we are three here. So we discussed the second, why did Moses kill the Egyptian? And we think um, it was because Moses did not control his emotions. He killed that Egyptian because he was thinking maybe he was protecting the Israelites. That was his first thought. But instead, he was doing the same thing because he was killing also. So, yeah. which was a bad thing. Yes. So, he was just supposed to talk to them, try to make them see reason instead of killing them. So, he couldn't control his anger. Great. That's Thank what you. he did. Thank you so much. Can we hear from a group maybe from this, from the middle section? Can we get a mic this side? So, well, we uh, looked at the first question. What are, what are some of the decisions that were made on your behalf and how have they affected your life? Uh, we have Recibe over here, and uh, sorry, I forgot your name. <laughs> and Nomsa, I'm so sorry about that. Uh, so uh, Recibe said, well, uh, some of the de uh, that decision was when her parents decided to have her, you know, for her to be born in the earth. And so I asked her, how has that affected you? And... <laughs> <laughs> And so, <laughs> Recipe said, well, she, she has to uh, sort of, you know, battle with uh, life because, <laughs> because they had her. And I sort of encouraged Recipe by telling her that she came at the right time. Uh, that, you see, for everything that God does, there is a fulfilled appointed time. Uh, and I said, I quoted from Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, where the Lord Jesus begins to preach. And he begins by saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, repent. And so I said, she was not suppo supposed to be born centuries before she was born. Neither was she supposed to be born centuries later. She was supposed to be born now because God meant for her to be born now. And he has put in receive giftings and talents that are pertinent to this generation. Come on, so, come on, <laughs> come on. So, somebody give that man a microphone. Oh, wait. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Let's, uh, let's come this side, um, and let's hear from a group this side. Um, thank you very much. Uh, so we went through with the second question as well. And uh, I think uh, our answer was uh, quite simple. It was just that uh, in a weird way, it was God's plan uh, for the things to go away that we did because uh, that was one of the catalysts to get actually Moses out. And uh, that goes all the way to Moses coming back to lead the Egyptians, uh, uh, to, to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. So uh, I, I believe uh, there were other options, and uh, I think uh, that was just a cost plan in the bigger picture, and it just uh, had to go the way it did to uh, have him go out and coming out of his comfort and actually running into the wilderness. Thank you. Awesome. Please give yourselves all a round of applause. Some really great inputs there.
and, and I think we're, we're, we're touching um, on some of the key aspects uh, when it comes to uh, how we navigate call, purpose, what God is doing uh, around us, in us, uh, through us, because of us, um, all, all of these important things that we need to navigate when we're asking ourselves or we're engaging on the topic of the nation, in this instance, the South Africa, uh, that we are believing God for. So we're looking at this, this question through the framework or through the lens of the story of Moses. Uh, and we're not going to track uh, with the entirety of the story of Moses. We'd, we'd have to be here the whole afternoon. Uh, but I wanted to, for us to just look at some of the beginnings, and, and we'll jump around a little bit. But, I, but if we look at just that, part, that beginning bit, Exodus chapter 2, and, and as always, I do encourage you uh, to uh, sometime this afternoon to look at uh, chapter 1 and chapter 3 of Exodus. I think you'll find that it draws a uh, better context when you're looking at, uh, at, at it holistically. You might even find that you want to read on and gain more uh, context and perspective over the life of Moses and how he was used by God. When I, when I was looking at uh, the life of Moses, I was asking myself a few questions. Questions like, uh, was Moses called or was he just available? Uh, I, I was asking myself, at which point did Moses feel called? At which point did Moses feel like there was a special assignment on his life? And this was an interesting one, so I wanted to pose it and allow you to think over it in your own life. Whether you feel, do you feel like there is a, a special assignment that God has for you? Do you feel like there is a calling in your life, that if you walk out this particular calling, it will be significant, not just for you, but for your community or even for your nation? Do you feel like there's something that God has called you to do that is for the benefit of your country? At which point did Moses recognize that he was carrying something that would benefit an entire nation. In fact, that he would facilitate the bringing out of an entire nation out of slavery. Not many of us walk around feeling special. Feeling like we have a, a, something specific, something massive even, that God has called us to carry out. So if, if, that, if that is the case, then we can't rely on a burning bush experience because we're going to miss it. We're going to forfeit it. Because each one of us has to assume that we have a special assignment that we have a special mandate. That has to be our starting point. The starting point is not whether I'm called to do something significant. The question is what that thing is. Because the reason I say that is that it makes our decisions important. So, 
we look at the story of Moses and, 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 and the, the nation of Israel, and we can see, it's obvious to us, what God was doing. But it's always obvious when you're looking at it in hindsight. I'm sure we've all had those experiences where we're looking at our own lives, some of the decisions that we have made or things that we have been through, and we're going, ah, I see it. It makes sense. Even when we look at some difficulties that we had to go through, we're looking at that, we're going, I see how that played into the big picture. But when you're in it, it's difficult to hold a big perspective. It's difficult to have a macro view when you're in the thick of it. Unless you've already decided that God has a special mandate for you. Because then what you're doing, even in the midst of difficulty, is you're finding the clues. So, Moses, and I, I want to look at Moses' life in, 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 in two categories. Decisions that were made for him and decisions that were made by him. Because you see, what I want to put before you is that the South Africa that you and I are hoping for are believing God for, are praying for, is going to be distilled down to its very basic element of decisions. When you, maybe some of you answered that question of what, what, do, you what do you think that, that God's will is for South Africa, or if, you, if you're engaging on, on that, and we, we, we're, we're, we're considering what is, what is the ideal for our, for our nation, We can have answers, but the mechanism is decisions. It's the daily decisions that you and I are making. Moses had decisions that were made for him. The nation of Israel had decisions that were made for them. Levi took a wife. So, uh, a man of the house of Levi, so he took a wife. And she conceived and she bore a son. Welcome into the world, Moses. Already, Raisiba, you can, <laughs> you can identify. You're with me. He was born. And that was not a decision that he had anything to do with, but you're here now, make the most of it. Another decision that was made for Moses, in fact, before, if you read in chapter 1, you'll see that already there were certain decisions that were being made that would affect them because the Pharaoh would say, would, would issue a decree that any child who would be born, you'd say to the midwives, if a child is born, if it is a male child, I want you to kill that child, and if it is a female, I want you to let, it, to let the child live. 
and, and the decision was made by the midwives because they feared God, they refused to kill the children. And, and, they, and, they, said, and they said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh, these Hebrew women, they are vigorous. <laughs> he said, by the time we get to them, they've already given birth. So we don't have a chance to execute your plan. In this way, they were refusing to be a tool in Pharaoh's hand. That was a decision that had a direct impact on Moses because he wasn't killed when he was born. Moses' mother made a decision to put him by the riverbank. Pharaoh's daughter made a decision to keep the child when she found him. She made a decision to hand the child over, not knowing that this was the child's very own mother who would nurse the child and help to rear the child. So decisions were made. And so, and so the first bit of, of, of Moses' life, he finds himself in a palace. He's being reared as a prince. He can see what is happening outside the palace walls. He can see the oppression. He can see that there's need. He can see that there are things that, that, that somebody needs to do something about this. But, but he's, in, he's in the place of comfort in, that, in, in, in the palace walls. I think most of us can identify with that ability to recognize the issues. Somebody needs to do something about this. Maybe you've ever thought as you drive and you serve a pothole or you see something that you don't like or, man, somebody ought to do something about that. Moses was beholding, growing up, being reared, being educated as an Egyptian, beholding the injustices of, of the Egyptians over the Hebrews. Scripture says he looked at their burdens, and there came a point when he could no longer withhold himself, and he decided to do something about it, so he engaged. So within the space of decision-making, a few things that I want to highlight, three or four things that I want to highlight very, very quickly. Moses had to make a decision to engage. He had to make a decision To disengage, he made a decision to re-engage, and he made a decision to stay engaged. When he saw the issues and he saw the, the Egyptian beating the Hebrew slave, he made a decision to step in. Now, his solution was less than ideal. He, he, was, he was overcome by emotions and he, and he did something that, that caused him to fall out of favor with Pharaoh. And we can see the lack of wisdom in it, but because we have the, the benefit of big picture, we know that God was in it, so the hand of God was in it, so that we know and hopefully a lesson that we can take away that if you have tried to be part of the solution, and perhaps you felt like you made a, an unwise decision or you got burnt as a result. 
that there is scope for you for God to still use you. That just because I, I tried to get involved and it didn't work out the way I thought it would, that I'm not, I'm not, it doesn't mean that I'm now excused. I tried to be part of the solution. This was, this was my war cry at a point. I was man, I thought I was, I was fired up. I went to one of these uh, uh, um, uh, uh, branch, uh, branch meetings uh, of a political party whose name I won't mention. And, uh, and I thought, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be part of the solution. I'm going to step in here. I'm going to be the voice of reason. Woo, I walked out tired. <laughs> tired. Because I didn't know what we were talking about. Everybody's going this way, that way. It's the loudest one, and it's, the, it's, it's all illogical. And I'm going, Lord, I tried. I can't make sense of that. I can't tell you what the meeting was about. Maybe you have a similar experience, and God is saying to both of us that we are without excuse. Because there was a point at which Moses had to re-engage so, so he, he, he engaged, it didn't work out. He disengaged and he ran away into, into Midian and he lived there for many years for what for some people would be a lifetime. But then God called him back. We know about the, the story of the burning bush. Moses is, is herding uh, his father-in-law's sheep and he, and he sees a bush that's burning, but it's, it's, it's why is this bush, it's, it's not... The fire is not dying. It looks interesting. I'm going to go take a look. And God starts to speak to him, and, and he engages him, and, and he sends him back to be, to be the solution. It was burning on your heart 40-some years ago. I'm reigniting that flame for you to be part of the solution. God is, is, is reigniting some flame in some people this afternoon. To be part of the solution where you tried and you failed before. And Moses would go back. And so he, he, he engaged, and then he disengaged, and now he was re-engaging. But Moses had options. So when, when he had led the people out, and now he, he had left them at the bottom of Mount Sinai, and he was up at the, at the, at the top, God says to him, these people are sinning, they're stiff-necked. Even as we're talking, they're making idols. Step aside, and I'm going to destroy them. And then I'm going to build another nation around you. That's opportunity. Moses had the option to go, hey, Lord, I wasn't going to point it out, but now that, uh, now that you've raised it, stiff-necked. They were difficult. They kept challenging his authority. They kept going, tending towards sin. If he wasn't watching, they were doing the wrong thing. It would have been easy for Moses to disengage again and say, Lord, do your thing. And the, the next nation will be around me. It will be my descendants. So if we were to bring it into contemporary language, we might say that Moses had the option to move to London or Australia. He had the option. The passport was there. Everything was approved, but he chose not to. He chose to stay with the stiff-necked people and intercede for them and be part of the solution. 
because he had disengaged before and it didn't work for him. So he had to stay engaged. So my message to you is if we are going to see a better nation together, it's going to boil down to decisions. What are the decisions that you're going to make? Engage. You might have engaged before, and having engaged, you disengaged. Make the decision to re-engage. Having made the decision to re-engage, make the decision to stay engaged. I want to give you a last thing. When we are thinking about the betterment of a nation, oftentimes we're thinking in scopes that are unreasonable and unrealistic. Lord, I feel like you've called me to impact the nation. Uh, and, And by the way, when we're talking about impacting the nation, not everybody in this room is going to be the president of South Africa. Right? We settle that. There's like maybe one of you. So we're not, we're not talking about, I'm not saying all of you go and figure out how to be the president. I'm saying figure out how to be impactful, how to add meaningful value towards your nation. That doesn't mean that you're leading millions. Not everybody is a Moses. But you may very well impact hundreds of thousands. Some of you may very well impact hundreds. Some of you may very well impact one person who impacts millions. But we all have a part to play. Put your hand to the plow and figure out how to add meaningful value towards this nation. And I won't read it because it's too long. I'll just tell you about it. Towards the, at, right at the end of, of, of Moses' life, God takes him up on a mountain, Mount Nebo, and, and he shows him the land of promise, the promised land. Um, so they, they, they had been going around all this time, many, many years. And after, after this time, God calls him up to this mountain, and he shows him, and he says, from there to there to there, and as far as your eyes can see, I'm going to give this land to your descendants but you, Moses, are not going to enter. So Moses was called upon to sacrifice his life, his conveniences, his will, his comforts, to lead people and to, and to be in conflict with some of these people for years, for the remainder of his life, and for a goal that he was never going to enjoy. He had to keep a multi-generational view. For many of you, the goals, the purposes, the, th- the calling that God has, has called you to is multi-generational. It's not something that you're going to reap the fruits of in this lifetime, but it is something that your children and their children are going to benefit from. That can be something as, sim- as simple as your relationship to money, your relationship to debt, It can be something as simple as that, that you transfer on. But we all have to be willing to make those sacrifices, knowing that the best I might get to see is a view from the outside. 
if God is gracious, he might just call me up to Mount Nebo and allow me to see the vista, allow me to see from afar the fruits of my labors, and then for me to die knowing that the next generation is not going to live in slavery because I have made a way for them to come out of bondage and slavery and debt, is not going to live in a wilderness because I have provided clarity and direction and structure, but then I am allowing them to proceed and they're going to live in the land of honey and the land of milk. And for me to know that, Lord, if that is how you have chosen to use me, then it is enough. We all have to hold a multi-generational view. And the reason we have to hold that view is because if we don't, we're going to get despondent. Because God is going to make a promise to us. God is going to give you a vision, a burden, something that you're going to see. and, And in your mind, it's going to happen next week. And two years down the line, you're broken and shattered and you can't bring yourself to trust God because he led you astray. No. God never lied. You just weren't the beneficiary of the vision. But you got to be a tool in his hand. Let's stand together. Father, we're asking you to create vision and purpose and direction and calling in us. Every single person in this auditorium that you would deposit inside of them something massive, something bigger than their own lives that you're calling them to do. That alongside that, you give them a peace to know that this may be something that is not achievable in their own lifetimes and to have peace with that. Father, if, you, if you're calling them to, to sow a seed, then give them grace to sow a seed. If you're calling them to water a seed, then give them grace to water a seed. But there are generations that will benefit from their diligence. I pray that each person would have that grace and and that awareness and the anointing. Father, I release it over them right now to carry out your vision for their lives, your purposes for their lives, for it to be clear to them how they are building this nation, how they are adding meaningful value towards the betterment of this nation. Help us each to be willing to live for this, to be willing to lay our lives down for this. In Jesus' name, amen.